Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us. As we continue on in this series we're doing called Vineyard Verses. Vineyard Verses, what we're doing is we're working through some foundational passages of Scripture, and uh, I'm breaking them down a week at a time, and then we're, we're talking about what each verse means in these passages, and then I'm encouraging you to memorize them. Um, there's just something very powerful about having some Scripture memorized, and when you have it within you, you have easy access to it. Uh, the Holy Spirit can remind us of those Scriptures, and we, we can remind ourselves of those verses in different situations. So it's important to sort of build up a library of verses. And this is just an opportunity for you to do that. If you haven't been memorizing them as we go, I would encourage you to start with wherever we're at and just let them build up inside of you. Um, we can't always, in the midst of our day, get to a Bible when we need it uh, or get to our electronic device and, and uh, open it up. And so if the Scripture is available to us, it's very helpful. I think, you know, all the time, one of those verses that I'm at all the time is this Philippians 4 verse that says, Do not be anxious about anything, in verse 4, 6, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That, knowing that is so helpful because when I start getting anxious and worried, um, the quicker I get to that verse, the better off I am. So it's really just a matter of time. Once I get to that verse, I'm okay. Really, it just changes everything. But uh, I, it, whatever that length of time is where I've decided to worry about it and try and fix it in my own strength, that's miserable time. So knowing that verse is, is a powerful thing. Um, you know, knowing the access that we have to God in the throne room. You know, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that's back in Hebrews, and we learned all of those verses, what it means that we have access to the living God 24-7, and, and all of the verses that we talked about in there are just a reminder of who He is and how much He loves us in the process. So we've spent a lot of time working through those passages. Uh, now we've just started working through um, a passage of Scripture, in 2 Corinthians 5, these are verses 17 through 21. And I've said these verses, to me, really are, are foundational to our mission as a church. And we have a pretty simple mission statement here because I want everybody to know it. And so we kept it simple. I like things simple. And uh, our simple mission statement is one more. We even have a, we even have a sign, one more. And uh, so you start, you know, they kind of, and it, but it, people remember that stuff and it helps us. One more what? One more lost child back to dead. That's what we're all about. Everything we do is about that. They were out with the ice cream truck today. And they were, we, we have an ice cream truck in case you don't know. And we, it's all painted up and has the music and everything. We go out and we give away free ice cream. We never take any money from anybody. Why do we do that? We're trying to win people into the kingdom. And it's an, it's an opportunity to connect with them in a non-threatening way that, that maybe makes them stop and think, Oh, well, that's different. I wonder what that's all about. And we have, I can't tell you how many people who have drifted in here because at some point they got an ice cream from the ice cream truck and just decided to come and check us out. When they come, they hear about Jesus. So um, they were out there today and there was some sort of bridge fishing tournament going on. And they, the ice cream truck was an immediate success when it pulled up there. They were like, yay! And then when it was free, they were like, yay! So why do we do that? It fits into our mission. Why do we do the things we do? It, it's part of the mission. One more. And I said, next, we want to talk about our goal because we don't talk about it enough. You know, so our mission is one more. We want people to come into the kingdom, into relationship with God. But our goal is all in. I like simple things. All in. Another thing easy to remember. One more. All in. What's all in? Heart, mind, soul, strength. All in. Becoming and growing disciples in the Lord and what that looks like. So 
We'll talk about that in our next um, little chunk of this series. But for now, we're in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. And uh, we, we've talked so far about some, you know, some churchy words, justification, just as if I had not sinned because of what Jesus has done. And God chooses to see us in Christ. And what an amazing thing that is and the grace and the mercy of God. And we, sanctification. And not only that, but He comes and literally moves inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes and then helps us in this process of sanctification, empowers us to be changed over time, even though He already sees us in the perfection of His Son. And then He works on us. What an amazing deal this whole thing is in the process. And then last week we began to talk about reconciliation and, and how we're given the ministry of reconciliation. And the, that, that word keeps popping up throughout these verses. Today we're going to talk about the message of reconciliation. But we're reconciled to God. A, a broken relationship has been mended. Um, our relationship was broken with God because we've all sinned. But God fixes it in coming in, 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 you know, fully God, fully man, Jesus going to the cross and exchanging His life for ours, taking the wrath of God so that, that we can be reconciled, fully restored in relationship to the living God. We, we talked about reconciled. You know, our, the, the books have been balanced, so to speak, and it's an amazing thing. And we're, we're wrapped in this reconciliation like a blanket. It's Jesus, and, and, and God sees us that way. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And knowing those things then impacts us to, um, as Paul's going to tell us next, to, to go out with this message of recon- reconciliation. And then next week we're going to talk about actually called to be ambassadors and what that means for Christ. So that's where we're heading this week. That was the intro. Transition, I always try and give you a bad joke or something. This week, you know, let me say this. I've, uh, I, I've had a couple of things, you know, apparently taken this past week. And, and let me first say that whoever it was that took my Microsoft Office, I will find you. You have my word. Someone, someone also took my mood ring. And, and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Welcome to the vineyard. Scripture reading here on purpose, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to dig into verse 19 today. God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What an amazing verse. In Christ, God's not counting our sin against us. That's huge. And, and He's committed to us this message of reconciliation. So let's talk about that for a minute. The message of reconciliation. That word there, message, um, it's, it's from the, the, the original language, logos. Uh, it's, a, it's a communication. 
where the, the mind finds expression. Um, it's, it's, you know, the Word. And this Word, this message, this communication has been committed or, or entrusted to us. Uh, I like the, the same verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. This is in the message paraphrase. God put the world square with Himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what He's doing. So here's why, you know, all these things have been important for us to grasp. What it means to be a, a follower of Jesus. What's taken place in us. What it means to be justified, even though it's a sort of a strange word that, that God, you know, sees us in Christ and the perfection of His Son. And, and that's amazing that, that He's working on us in this process of sanctification. That we've been reconciled. That here, you know, the, the, he's, He put the world square with Himself. Here's an opportunity for everyone to step back into relationship with God, even though all of us have a broken relationship because of sin. And He says, you know, now what I want you to do is, is I want you to tell people what He's doing. That's, that's the way He's worked this thing out. Um, kind, of a, kind of amazing when you think about it. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever thought this way. I've had these thoughts sometimes. Because that's how the church has happened from the beginning. That was the plan. God, God came. You know, Jesus came. Fully God, fully man. He, he walked with His disciples. And he hung out with them. And um, it was a small group. Um, you know, there, there were 12 apostles. There were other disciples and there were other women in that group and other, other people in that group. And they're, they're all sort of mentioned in the process. So there's a group of, of people there uh, that he travels with. And, and um, you know, they're, they're a part of this whole um, process. And, and, and Jesus is, you know, showing people how to live. And he's offering people life um, through this in, entire situation. And then when it's time and he goes to the cross... And he exchanges his life there and he, he dies and is resurrected and ascends his Holy Spirit. The plan at that point then is for people to come to know Christ and then to tell other people. And that's the plan. Uh, it's worked pretty well for 2,000 years. We're still here. But don't you ever think well, it would probably be easier? Like, like angels. Angels might be better at this. You ever thought about that than us messed up, broken folks? That, that might have been a better plan. The problem with angels, though, whenever you read about them showing up and talking to anybody, everybody hits the dirt, passes out, freaks out, and they have to say, don't be afraid. And it's probably not the best avenue for sharing someone good news. <laughs> get up, get up, please, come on. So the angels weren't the deal. It was us all along. And you think, wow. And you know, you look at it. He started with fishermen and, and not picking on fishermen, but this was a rough group back then. And tax collectors, nobody even liked them. And, and who knows, you know, this little... And that was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys and tell you guys and demonstrate it to you guys, and then you're going to go and do it. And that's the plan. And that's still the plan. It's always been the plan, and it's still the plan. And um, we're, we're called to this whole thing. We're, we're to tell people, in effect, what's happened to us. Now, the message that we have, this message of reconciliation, the message is, this is point number two, it's the gospel or the good news. And, and our message today is still the good news or gospel that the early church preached, that Paul preached, that, that all of them shared into the world that changed the world forever. There's, there's scripture that encapsulates the gospel, and it's 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, I want to read you 1 through 7. Paul says, Now, brothers, I, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, 
otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. And here we go. This is the heart of the message. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve and after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles and it goes on from there. The heart of the gospel, of the good news, is found primarily there in verses 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the heart of it. If you can remember those three things, you, you've got the heart of it. He died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. Everything sort of comes out of those three things that we need to know. That's the heart, that's the power, that's the gospel, that's the good news that Paul preached. Know as a caveat to that, if you can remember a fourth thing when you're trying to think about what's the gospel, what's the good news, that he also appeared to a whole bunch of people resurrected. Um, not only to the apostles, but to 500. So, so there were hundreds of eyewitnesses to the resurrection. People want to dismiss it and say it didn't happen, it's a big story, um, and, and yet there were hundreds of eyewitnesses, and when Paul wrote um, that gospel in 60 AD, they were still a lot of them alive, and he was saying, go ask them, they saw it. So you don't have, just, just take my word for it, here are eyewitnesses, which are like the best form of testimony you can have, hundreds of eyewitnesses that understood what took place, and that, that would back this up, that he died for our sins. Important that you know that when he died for our sins. He didn't just faint or pass out or, you know, shortcut this whole deal. He died. And if you, if you ever wonder about that, you know, crucifixion was horrific and, and you wouldn't come off of there alive. So um, he died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. That's the heart of the gospel message. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the message that we have to share with others. That's the message and the power that changes lives. Getting that and understanding that whole process, that He died for our sins. When you get that, you realize that, you know, it's part of what well, we have all sinned and that's caused this problem with God that we have and He's come to pay for that. He's come to take care of that. He defeated death, which is the thing that, you know, it's the big, biggest fear that people have so that we might have life and then He demonstrates that in being resurrected on the third day, the first of many. And we wait for that process. So, that's the heart of the whole deal that we have in this message. Now Paul says something great and, and uh, uh, he says this, and this is point number three. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this good news. I'm not ashamed of this message that I've been called to. And he, he says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew than for the Gentile. He actually says not only is he ashamed, but if you backed up just a couple of verses in Romans 1, 4 and 15, he says he's actually under an obligation because uh, to tell people the good news. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. See, Paul was so aware of the amazing gift that he'd been given in, in his encounter and his relationship with Christ that he actually felt obligated to tell other people about it. He, he got what an amazing deal, the best deal in the universe. Remember, he was actually trying to s stamp out the whole thing. He was 
actively pursuing Christians and having them hauled off to prison and, and, you know, carted away so that they could be tortured or killed or whatever he was doing. That was what he was after. And Jesus met him on the road and said, no, that's not how it's going to work. You're going to do this. His encounter with Jesus was, was this amazing encounter. And when he realized what happened in that, what happens to all of us in that we're restored in the relationship with God, not by anything that we've done or by our works or our performance or anything else, but because of his love for us, that he's made this way for us in Christ to be reestablished in relationship with him. When Paul gets that, he says, I, I got to tell other people, there's nothing like this. There never has been, there never will be. Best deal in the universe. I've got to share it with other people. And so, so because of all that, that Jesus had done for him and in him, Paul looks at um, pre-Christians, is my favorite word for them, and he felt an obligation to help them. Uh, he, he didn't look at the lost with contempt or disdain. He, he sees the beauty of their potential, and he, he desperately wants to share the gospel with them so that they can experience life in Jesus as well. He'd ex- Paul had experienced the amazing grace of God, and he wants to share it with others. Now, in Paul's day, just like in ours, many pre-Christians just don't want to hear this. Um, uh, he says, Greeks, non-Greeks, foolish and wise alike are often not interested in hearing about the love and forgiveness and mercy and grace of God. Perhaps you've encountered that. There's a lot of people that just don't want to hear the good news that, that we have to tell them about. Some of that now is our fault. We've, we've probably not been as wise about this as we should be. But some of it is just this hardening of hearts that takes place and people thinking they're smarter than us and have the other things figured out. Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 23, he, uh, he says, Paul says, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. To many, this, this thing, uh, this gospel message, it's foolishness and they just don't want to hear it and they don't want you to share it. And, and what they try and do is shame you into silence. I, can't, I, I have heard all of these things I'm about to say to you. It is 2016. How can you possibly still believe in those fairy tales? How can you believe in the Bible? How can you believe that a fish swallowed a man? How can you believe that God came in the flesh? And the list goes on and on. I have people just look at me and say, how can... Don't you understand all these things now that we know and how smart we are and how, how vast, you know, uh, we, uh, our knowledge has come and we can check everything out now on the, on the phone, you know, and instant access to all the knowledge in the world. And, and how can you still believe in those, those fairy tales? And, and it's, they try to shame us into silence. And, and, you know, how do we overcome the shame? And, and the reality is that there's only one way for sinners to be reconciled to a holy God. We've talked about reconciliation last week. There's one way. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's, Jesus said it. The early church said it this way in Acts 4, 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven to, my, to men by which we must be saved. See, it's only the good news, only the gospel message that can bring spiritually dead people to life. Only Jesus can solve the separation that sin has caused between man and a holy God. Well, that seems awful intolerant. That seems, that seems really arrogant. Who, who do you think you are? You should be ashamed of yourself. Romans 1.16 
I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. See, we, we can't be ashamed. We're obligated. If we go silent, there's no hope for the lost. None. Now, that we have to be people that share this well, lovingly, mercifully, gracefully. But we have to share the message of reconciliation. We have to. It's on us. It's our time. It's our turn. The church, 2,000 years old, has, has brought us to here. And now it's on us to take and keep it going. And, and we do that by sharing that message. That's it. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again on the third day. Lots of people saw it happen. He did it so we could be reconciled because He loves us. And there's nothing like it in the universe. There's nothing else like it. So, so things haven't really changed that much in 2,000 years. The message is the same. The people trying to stop it are using the same tactics. And we continue to press on in Him because we're obligated to. And it comes out of us just living this thing out. Really, when you, when you get past and you don't let people shame you and you don't, you don't feel like you know you're get, you just sort of live this amazing good news out, the message will flow out of you into the lives of other people. And that's what makes the difference. But we've got to make sure that we're doing that. And that's the message of reconciliation. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the, the, uh, how it's sort of on us as, as ambassadors for Christ and what that means. And we'll talk through that together. But that's good for today. Think about that. The, so far, the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, and what it means. And sort of remember those verses in your times this week. If you're watching by video, we appreciate you doing that. Love for you to visit here at some point in time. If you need prayer, go to our website. There's a prayer page on there. And uh, you put your prayer requests in, and we will pray for you. Other than that, we would love to see you soon.